You're tuned into Cowl Fans, a popped off production, the casual fans' home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from our respective homes. I'm Alurimore. I'm Haller. And Overwatch League has started. What a day to be alive. We're back. We're back and it and it feels it feels great. It does. It felt really great. Um I had a really good time watching the games again. It was such a fun weekend. The the meadow was so fun. The games were so fun. Every a lot especially the first day, everything was a lot closer than I think anybody was expecting or hoping could have hoped for. So it just the home stands are electric. It's it's gonna be an exciting year. Right. Absolutely it is. It is. And Man, I'm excited. It's fun to see these large crowds. I have to say that. Mm -hmm. For all of my dislike of the homestands, which I do dislike a great deal, (laughs) it feels great to see big crowds in these arenas. Um, Mm -hmm. And it feels great to have them be at, you know, these historical places like the Hammerstein Ballroom. It feels good to have you know, be one of the bigger events that's going on in this new Arlington eSports stadium. Like, these are exciting little pieces mm-hmm. of history that Overwatch League gets to be a part of. And that feels good for yeah. me as a fan. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. So For sure. And you get to hear people boo, boo Boston in New York, <laughs> which is always brings me great pleasure. Classic. Classic New Yorkers. <laughs> Oh, but what do you know? You're from Jersey, the same place as the Paris Eternal. I mean, <laughs> and and the New York Giants and the New York Jets, so right. it's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, man. So we're going to jump right into, though, on a to a not-so-happy note. And that not-so-happy mm. note is going to be the fact that we still have Chinese games that are canceled. They're supposed to be happening this week in Shanghai. And there is zero news about what's happening in their place. Yeah. So at the end of the broadcast last night, <clears throat> they didn't. You, they they flashed the schedule that was coming up for next week. No mention of Chinese games. It was literally just they were showing Saturday's schedule, and it was Mayhem Outlaws, and then whatever the game is after that. Um, and then that's 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 all they were showing, right? Yeah. Um. So that's worrisome um even more worrisome is you've been able if you're like me and you spend way too much time on twitter um you've been kind of able to piece together what it looks like is going to be the case for these homestands and it's basically worst case scenario yeah um there should be an announcement this week so we'll know soon but based off what's kind of been hinted at and i've been able to piece together based off an interview with um, Sideshow interviewing Space, and then um, a tweet from, I don't remember who, but one of the members of the LA Valiant. Um, it seems like they're not going to, the, the Pacific Division, so West, East, everyone, isn't going to play a single game until week five in Seoul when Hero Pool starts. Oof. They're gonna miss, so they're gonna miss three weeks of game, and and then I don't know if they're gonna play, because then there's um two weeks after that where they were supposed to be in Guangzhou. So I don't know, are they supposed to? Are those totally canceled too? Will they just keep playing in Seoul? It looks like everything's just like canceled, canceled. 
Yeah, I'm really confused about it, too. Because they have to play those games back or there's no equality throughout yep. the league. Those games have to come back and happen. Whether they happen with or without hero pools probably can be a little up for debate. Because right. there will be hero pools enacted probably by the time they get the chances to play them. I think our actual worst case scenario isn't even this. Because right now we're sort of in this place where... Maybe they take their off week or their midseason tournament that's only going to have four teams in it, and they try and shove some of those games into that time frame. Not ideal, but... I mean, you have all-star games then, too. It's going to be rough. Yeah, it is going to be rough. It's, like I said, not even close to ideal. <laughs> um, but I think really... Uh, I think really what is their actual worst-case scenario is they do another unbroadcasted game like they did when they had to do a tiebreaker. Hmm. If we find out that they're playing these games in these arbitrary places, which is fine. I don't mind them playing them anywhere. If they said, hey, listen, we need to have these games. We're going to go down to you know, so-and-so's land cafe and bring some refs with us and play right. Overwatch down there. I can live with that. If they go, they're absolutely not going to be broadcasted at all. Nobody's going to be allowed to see them. I cannot live with that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Definitely. That's not cool. That's not okay. That should not be. That should not be. I'm not okay with that. Um, mm. That's our actual worst case scenario. And it would be even worse if they said we're going to play them online and not broadcast them. Then we're in the really bad. Oh, um, yeah. That's that's doubly. That's doubly. That's, yeah, that's super bad. So, um they haven't announced anything. They really shouldn't be nope. making an announcement this week. They should have been making an announcement sometime last week. Um, yeah, I agree. We that's... even said on the podcast, expect to hear something. Soon. Right. Probably even today, we still had nothing. Um, there was an ESPN interview with John Spector, <clears throat> which <laughs> got talked about for all the wrong reasons, but... <laughs> Um, a part of it was about the um, the canceled homestands, and he basically said they're talking to the teams and they don't have anything to announce. They're waiting to make sure that their plan's the best that it'll be. So I feel like we should get something this week because games were supposed to happen, but they already kind of flashed the um, just Atlantic South games without even mentioning like on Watchpoint as far as I know. I wasn't paying super attention. No, to they did not. They did not. But they didn't even mention the fact that like Pacific East is canceled. Like stay tuned for more information or anything like that. Right. Um it just it was like it didn't exist. Just the way so. they're avoiding the whole subject is really frustrating to me. Yeah. Um just really annoying. It's unfortunate. Like it's an unfortunate situation, but like you, Good, good for you for announcing that the homestands are canceled. Like, way, way to be on top of that, I suppose. Right. But we're starting to get into it's like it's been a little bit too long since that announcement was made for you guys to have not figured out what you're going to do yeah. now that they've been canceled. For sure. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna move on from that to uh, to the YouTube viewing experience which is brand new. Mm. We got to finally experience that this week. Um, <clears throat> you know, the people who loved their Twitch chat are going to feel like it was a negative experience. Um, yeah. For us, those of us who didn't love the Twitch chat, though, what was your experience like, Howler? 
Um, honestly, I had a a really great experience. Um, I watch um I watched all this weekend on my PS4, for the yeah. most part. Actually, I watched three different ways, but all of Saturday I watched on my PS4, and it worked really well for me. I noticed because um, I often watch the games um on like I'm on voice chat with other people. While, right. while I'm watching it, right? So one of the big problems always with Twitch was everybody streams being out of sync. So you would have someone cheering because they saw Carpe got a headshot, but you wouldn't see it for another 10 seconds. And you're like, well, I know someone's about to pop off, right? Um, so I, I, I noticed that on the PS4, just even before we talk about the pause capability, um, it was much more in time with computers when the Twitch app is usually on a 30 second delay from what I'd be able to see on my computer. Yeah. So it made it really great in that aspect for trying to match up with people when you were watching it, but you could also pause it. The pausing was honestly great. Um, Sundays are pretty busy family days for me. So I had a lot of times where I would just pause the game for like half an hour go like see some family do that stuff and then come back to the game and just pick up where i left off right the ability to do that was fan freaking tastic um it was really nice as well i was able to watch games on my switch which youtube is the only media app that exists on the switch so overall i really enjoyed the experience i found the quality for me was better on youtube than it is on twitch it was consistently stayed at like 1080p no matter what i was watching it on there was very little to no buffering so i just yeah it was really good yeah yeah i also had a uh, pretty good youtube experience i can't say i had a great youtube experience i will say it was superior to my twitch experience mm. um I watched it on my phone at my work, which is in a pretty secluded place and does not have very great cell signal. Um, mm. So uh, there were issues that happened there that I entirely attribute to my lack of good service. Right. Um, but I agree with you on the things being in sync. When I came home, watching, having it playing in my car, um, I opened up my PlayStation 4, went to put it on my TV, and it was really right on cue. And I didn't feel like I suddenly skipped behind or skipped ahead or wasn't in time with myself anymore. Right. Um, so that was actually really nice. Um, also, though, I did have a couple times when when I tried to force it, because I don't usually leave it on auto. I usually force it and say stay in 1080p. Yes. I feel like you kind of have to, especially on the computer. I notice I'll be in 360p if I stay on auto. I have to change it to 1080 to get high quality. Right. And, and I do that on my PlayStation as well. Yeah. Um, and a couple of times it did jump out of it. It didn't jump to 360, but it jumped down to like 720. And I noticed that and that wasn't, uh, ideal, but it was better than the Twitch app, which would sometimes just say it was in 1080 and then give you yeah. weird stuff. Um, I didn't have any moments where I had buffering, but I did have some moments when I knew it was buffering, even though it told me, it didn't tell me it was buffering. Because they would play the same like one second segment a couple times. 
That was not. I'm not sure if that was YouTube or that, that was, was in broadcast. That was that in was broadcast with other people, and it was everybody experienced it at the Ooh. exact same time. So that was that was a broadcast issue. That wasn't. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So and that's that's a whole other topic, right? The broadcast. Issue. The broadcast, man. You know what? I didn't write that on my list, but let's just talk about that for a second because yeah. for some reason I only just wrote down YouTube. That was silly of me. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so that is a if that being a broadcast issue is a great thing that you pointed out to me because I mm. would I you know my wife and I recently started watching things on Disney Plus. That's how Disney Plus buffers. Okay. Um, it buffers just like that, and it doesn't give you a buffering thing. It'll stop your screen for a second, and then the audio might keep playing, or and then eventually it'll come back and start over again, or it'll mm. give you the same one second just a couple times over. Um. But that should not exist in their broadcast. Yeah. That means they're little because they usually put in a few second delay in case anybody has a uh, potty mouth slip up. Right. That means that they're messing up their delay at some point, which or or they're like trying to add it in. Which they have these five to fifteen minute breaks where they should be adding that kind of stuff in. That doesn't mm-hmm. need to exist there. That's yeah, wild to me. And they were weird. There was one where it was like a fade. It like seemed like it was like a perfect fade, like into the future. It was a really. I retweeted someone else who commented on it because it was really. It felt like too much of a professional transition to be a delay. It was like to be a broadcast error. It was very very odd <laughs> in the yeah. middle of a team fight. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like it would skip ahead or you you'd hear the same line repeated twice in a row and it would like go back a couple seconds. Um, so there was a lot of that and that was just weird to see. Yeah. We've um, had, there were definitely worse broadcast issues besides there, just the little, there were, there was the, uh, there was the uh, unnamed sponsor that's not paying us. So doesn't get their name spoken that got all up in everybody's business on the desk, on the, on the, can we say crunch time we can say crunch time okay i'll allow it it. was crunch time but they don't deserve it about a minute and a half and you got to um it reminded me of a very ancient famous overwatch cast where the stream died um back before the overwatch league and a um a caster whose name was jay kaplan not not to be confused with jeff jason kaplan Yes, um, did it all? Could all, and his stream was messed up too, so he couldn't see. So he he literally just closed his eyes and listened to the sound and casted based off that. It uh, gave me some of those old vibes. <laughs> you really, just kind of had to. At least you had the casters who were able to see what was going on because it didn't seem like it affected what the stadium was seeing, which is right. cool, I guess. Um, but for those of us who were just watching a white screen that said crunch time, mm-hmm. um, we, we just had to listen to the casters and figure out what happened for a good minute and a half of a team fight. Yeah, I just, I just got to say, these are errors that we haven't had. Like, we've no. never had this level of errors before. Not even in the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. Why are yep. they happening now? We went through homestands last year. 
and we mm-hmm. we we had issues. Oh, we had some issues during homestands. I know, but they weren't like this. This right. is weird. And it could be we have a new production team. Like we know a lot of talent left. Right. How many of like the people kind of behind the scenes also left and had new people brought in, right? Right. Um, it could be an issue with that. There's a new guy in charge of doing the transitions and stuff. It's like there are a lot of awkward ones. Like um, Brennan Sideshow are talking and previewing the the games and doing their banter and whatever and a video starts playing over right. them and then stops and then they introduce it and then it actually plays um mm. all the time in watch point videos starting too early um they cut away too early and then cut back to the broadcast and then it just lingers like they try to do the throw to the commercials and they're still on camera and they're just like doing wacky things with their arms like just trying to like fill the space yeah and not just staring at the screen a lot of a lot of it was awkward transitions, especially for a league that's trying to present themselves as this professional sports league. A lot of a lot of amateur. Um, yeah, this was out. not good. Um, this was just not good. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no reason for us to be having these issues. If they had hired anybody who even cared about broadcast, they wouldn't have had these issues. I have volunteers. I have worked with volunteers at churches who can do a better job transitioning things on time. Right. You know, I work at Church AV, and they're mm-hmm. all volunteer-driven. None of these people get paid, and they can get their transitions right. Right. This is not a good thing. This is mm-hmm. not how you do this. And, and it just doesn't make any sense to me that this should be an issue at this point. It's it's baffling to me. Just, <laughs> Just... And I don't, there's no excuse for it. it. It's just, this needs to not happen again next week. I'm, they don't deserve uh this is their opening week free, free pass for this. They deserve no free passes for this. Um, And if there was yeah. a huge overhaul of the broadcast team, then whoever was in charge of hiring new broadcast talent, the, that guy should go. That guy did not make a good call. They should, if I was, honestly, if I was in charge of the broadcast team, next week you would have a whole new set of broadcast talent. Not talent, but broadcast members. Yeah. None of the, none of those people would be allowed to stay from week to week. No. Mm. Yeah. Totally unacceptable. Wasn't pretty. No. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Let me stop being angry. <clears throat> Howler. You have this nasty tendency, nasty, nasty tendency of railing on New York and then afterwards apologizing and reminding Saviolbi that you love him. Yeah, I I do have that tendency, don't I? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and I guess it's hard because I, I'm... No matter what, I'm always going to be very down on 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 Mono Nene and even Animo at times. I'm not. I love New York, but I'm not particularly fond of those three <laughs> players, and they almost see a hundred percent play time. And it's me trying to balance praising the other three while hating on those three <laughs> players. Um, really, so I, I feel like they, Mono did really great this week. No. No garbage okay i mean not okay not totally garbage but mono and who are you almost complete like okay so the reason i so what 
Alarmore is referring to is that I said, who's ready for New York to lose to Boston? Who, or who's ready for the Boston upset ticket? Something like that. Yeah. Along those lines. It was the Boston upset. Um, but it's because New York played terrible against London, and I expected Boston to be a better team than London, and London gave New York a run for their money. Turns out, Boston are the hottest of garbage. <laughs> like, awful, 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 awful. But that, to me, does not change the fact that if a team was slightly better than London, I think they would have beat this this version of the New York Excelsior that we saw this weekend, because it was not good. So New York, with their changes, with Who Are You coming in, with Hotba coming in, with the departure of Pavan, or Pavane, um, they changed their play style from being defensive to aggressive, as I expected. But it was not pretty, their first showing. Um, Mano and Who Are You were almost always overextended and just fed and died all the time. If it wasn't for Hotba saving the day 10 trillion times, um, I think we were looking at a map five scenario, if not even a New York loss against London. Um, it was really not good. And we were able to see in the next game where Paris, like convincingly, way more convincingly than New York, beat London Spitfire without an, a, an ability to even have an off tank player, by the way. They were stuck on double main tank. Right. Um, we're still able to more convincingly beat London. And more importantly, they made a fool of J-Mac, where in the matchup of Mono versus J-Mac, J-Mac looked like the better player. Mm. So, like, and to me, the it wasn't like London just came out and like, wow, I'm surprised by London. London looks like a good team. It was more like, what is New York doing? Why are they, why are, why is who are you in front of Mono and who's, already out of position in the first place right um they just they seemed very messy they were throwing ults when they didn't need to use ults um i do think they looked better against boston but again boston just looked extra terrible like boston would get three kills against new york it would be a 63 and they would just stand there and just let them poke at them until they died they would never push in and yeah. like take their advantage they were so passive um, and not in a good old New York way, right? So they did look better on Sunday. Uh, they did it did feel like there was more leadership when Sabiobi was in the roster. But man, they looked like no one was calling the shots on that team. Everyone had a different idea of what should be going on. I mean, you have who are you and Mono going super aggressive, where Animo's still way in the back line, like Animo likes to play. He's still playing old New York style. It's very it all felt disconnected. Sure. Um, Hotba did his best to try to fill in the gaps, but I, even I think Hotba was often too aggressive, and it allowed London, London's flankers to kind of get into the back line a little more than should have been available. Um, even in the game against um, against Boston, right? Their back line was very vulnerable, and Hotba never came and peeled. You just got to see Jonak frag out on some folks solo or with a little bit of help from Anamo, um, but. I'm I'm concerned for this team. Um, 
I'll apologize for saying that they're going to lose to Boston because Boston are <laughs> way worse than I expected. But New York, to me, right now looks like a middle-of-the-pack team. And I think they were playing in Dallas this weekend. They would have went 0-2. Okay. All right. But there are two teams that I actually want to apologize <laughs> for railing on. Um, and that would be the Paris Eternal and the LA Valiant. So I had these two teams. LA Valiant, I had dead last. I've made fun of them. Everybody did. Off season. Everybody I mean, did. Mostly everybody did until like the past couple of weeks where all of a sudden all this scrim bucks talk. But even I was like, nah, I've heard the scrim bucks before and all these teams yeah. that scrim bucks come out and don't perform. Valiant exactly. came out and looked great. They did. Um, in fact, out of all the teams this weekend, I think the LA Valiant had the best read on the meta. Um, I think they lacked the ability to play anything outside the meta. Like, I'll give some praise to New York Excelsior. Their dive looks sick. Um, I mean, you have Who Are You playing Genji. It's hard not to look sick. Right. Um, Vancouver, their dive, Huxall and Genji also look sick. Um, mm-hmm. So they were a bit more one-dimensional, but I think they played the meta the best. Um, they had a really cool dive situation that reminded me like a Shades of 2018, where it was all about your Winston Tracer dive. They played a diva lucio dive um they would either dive the enemy backline together like the enemy sniper together or they would peel together if someone went into their backline um but mcgravy and rain were like always this like duo that would just drop out of the sky onto people and they were just like especially when they were playing dallas fuel dallas had no answer for it Mm-mm. mcgravy I mean, that was just a great performance all around for McGravy. You had the McGravy 6K, you had all these crazy bombs. The dude you had all just, the McGravy eats. Yeah, all the, all the eats, too. Mm-hmm. It was like that new money we had, but <laughs> over an entire series, right? It was an incredibly impressive display from him. Um, and I think Rain got a little overshadowed by McGravy during it, but a lot of it was Rain as well, was diving with McGravy. Uh, and it, it just looked like the best way to play the meta. Um, it was really, really impressive to watch. Um, Titans handled it a lot better. I would love to go back if I find the time and figure out how the Titans dealt with McGreevy and Rain because it felt like they didn't have their way as much as they um, as they did with Dallas. But man, right. I really liked what I saw from them. And then the Paris Eternal too. Like I expected the Paris Eternal. Even though I thought they were going to be better after this week, I thought for sure in New York when they didn't have Hanbin, Smex had visa issues. Like, they had no off-tank player. I thought for sure, and then Sparkle isn't around. I thought for sure this team was going to be just terrible this weekend. And If not for no fault of the players themselves, I just thought they were not going to have the tools they needed to be successful yet. This is just going to be a do-what-you-can and then once Hanbin's in, then we're actually, we could try playing as the Paris Eternal. But Paris looked great. Um, they played FD God over Cruz, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, Cruz is a good player. Nah, Cruz um, is a feeder. <laughs> dog, man. Um, but they brought in FD God, and FD God was looking like a top. He looked great. Top tier. Um, he looked phenomenal. Lucio. He was just wrecking people he was unkillable he was killing all sorts of people he was he was insane like fd god looked 
as good yeah. as he did in the World Cup, which is not something people often translate into the Overwatch League. Um, so huge kudos to that guy. Um, Nico, Nico's May was the best May we saw all weekend, yeah. in my opinion. And it wasn't even close. Like maybe you had some other um, Mays like Doha, like Hawksaw, like Who Are You, who flexed the other picks and looked really great. But no one looked as good on the May as Nico. He had that ridiculous save on a Reinhardt where he ice blocked on top of a shattered Reinhardt to save him from the Diva bomb. That was crazy big brained. His yeah. walls were fantastic throughout the entire series, uh, or for or through both series that he played. Um, and I had railed on Nico. I don't think I said it on the podcast, but in my little write up I wrote when I was doing my power rankings. I called Nico the worst player in the Overwatch League. And honestly, I haven't seen Nico perform well at or perform at what I thought was a high level in his entire career. Even when it was like back when he was on the best team in the West on Rogue, right? Okay. I always thought Nico was the weak link. I didn't like his Genji. I didn't like his Diva play. He comes into the Overwatch League and he's he's playing Brigitte. I didn't like his Brigitte. I've never thought Nico was a top caliber player, but all of a sudden he comes out on this May and he looks really great. And I was really worried about Paris not having Sparkle, but if Nico can play at that level, I'm really not concerned about this team. And then XEI or Z, I don't know how to say his Everyone name. Everyone was yet. calling him XZ. XZ. So XZ comes out over soon which was unexpected and the dude pops off yeah he did really like, well this paris roster surprised the heck out of me and they were stuck being very one-dimensional and even in that one dimension they showed a little flexibility like they were the only team to run that sim strat and every time they ran the sim strat on points where it made sense they dominated with it like this is an exciting team <clears throat> yeah this, this Reminded me less of the Paris Eternal like I expected it to, and it reminded me more of Element Mystic, which is... Kind of the point. Yeah, kind of the point. Kind of the point. Very exciting and surprising because they only picked up their like half Korean, half European, right? They didn't go that full Korean, that full Element Mystic. They just... Because they only went halfway, I was only expecting half the results. But this is a team that I feel like could survive long enough and be like mid to upper mid table... And then get Sparkle in and have a run to be able to make play-ins and be a playoff team. So a lot to be excited about in Paris. So I was completely wrong on both of these two teams, and I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah, so with all this going on, uh, a lot of people have sort of been having a hard time getting a read on the meta. You were talking about how these different people are playing these yeah. different things, and they're switching, mm -hmm. and they've got Sim strats, and they've got Maze, and they've got, they've got it yeah. all kind of is really how it feels. So what are you thinking about that? So I think this meta is pretty interesting, especially when you consider uh, the DPS role. So traditionally in Overwatch, we have your hitscan DPS and your is what's always been called your flex DPS, right? Um, and right. there's usually this one hitscan player, like this one hitscan hero that's 100% meta. And then maybe your flex DPS either... In some metas, it's one hero, but a lot of times your flex DPS is flexing through a, several a series heroes. of different heroes. Yeah, um, this one it was kind of flipped on its head. You had your flex DPS was almost always locked on May, unless it was assault, where you would see a lot of dive dive attacks were pretty popular. Yeah. Um, 
but for the hit scan role there was a lot of different heroes being played and even um on certain maps that allowed for it there was a little bit of rock paper scissors going on which is i always think overwatch at its most exciting um if you could have a rock paper scissors sort of meta yeah like this beats this beats this um i love that and we did get to see that so there were a bit of regional metas here um so the pacific west especially the full korean team um seemed to favor playing their hit scan as reaper more often than not right but otherwise um and especially in the atlantic north um they really liked playing mccree yeah they did um, so mccree was very popular i would say overall throughout the weekend the mccree may was the most popular dps duo um, and then you would see a bit of the rock, paper, scissors when the map opened up enough for Widowmaker. So like Junkertown A or right. something like that, right? Um, if the map was open enough where you could have these long sight lines and that your Widowmaker could take advantage of, um, you would you could either go into the Widowmaker matchup, but what happened more often than not was people would switch to Tracer. Yeah, Tracer Lucio or Tracer Diva, Tracer Lucio Diva would go and harass the enemy Widowmaker. Um, and then the Widowmaker would switch to Mc back to McCree to deal with the Tracer, and the Tracer would switch to Widowmaker to yeah. have an advantage over the McCree. And you just saw this rock, paper, scissors going on throughout the whole map. So it was really interesting to see, like, when would they decide to go into the mirror? Like, would you have Tracer duels? Would you have Widow duels? Would you have McCree duels? When would they decide that they're going to do the rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. When, when do they make that switch? Um, so I thought that was really exciting to see. Um, it was nice to see Hitscan flexing their stuff because, honestly, we haven't seen that no, since we haven't. 2018, right? Like, since the inaugural season. We went all of last year without really seeing Hitscan flex their stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was super exciting. We got to see a lot of carry moments because of it. Um, so that's really cool. The tank meta is mostly Rhine Diva, it seems like. You have some teams that seemed very insistent on the um, Orissa Rhine. Yeah. Um, like the Boston Uprising, and it looked terrible. Um, Paris were kind of stuck in it. I think they did quite well with it. Right. And um, Dallas actually looked better mm. um, when they had the Rhine, the Rhine Orissa. And I think it's because Trill just looked like the better Reinhardt than Gansu, and Note looked kind of lost in the meta. So it just it just ended up working working better for them um but it seems like overwhelmingly i would expect especially over the next few weeks that we shift fully towards um the rhine diva with maybe some exceptions of like certain control points or um maybe like some assault defenses when you're like holding the mid ground like where Arissa's always been popular right right um, maybe you see the double main tank but rhine diva feels like it's here to stay and you you saw a lot of diva and not a lot of the other off tanks day two we saw some sigma but it right. almost seemed like that was one of the most least flexible roles and then for the support role it was actually kind of nuts yeah uh, there were so many things happening Lucio in the support role anna was the most popular but yeah. we saw every support hero um we saw a lot of brig like lucio's would switch to brig a lot um we saw some like double flex support zen anna was happening especially on like hanamura that was a really popular composition um so it was it was just it was really cool to see 
all of the diversity. Like there was probably the the Rhine Diva, McCree, May, Lucio, Anna. Like that was your meta, but right. there was still a lot of diversity. And it it seemed like the strongest teams were able to flex outside of the meta, which should make for an exciting year if that's already happening. Um, it should just only get even more bonkers as as hero pools come in. So I'm I'm super psyched for 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 what this means for uh, 2020 Overwatch. Yeah, um, I, something I really want to point out is sort of you mentioned that there's sort of a little bit of a regional meta. One region was tending to favor switching on to like Reapers, and the other region sort of tended to favor switching on to the Tracer. Is really how yes. it felt. Um, and I feel I feel like you could feel that a little bit in the the tanks. I felt like most the Pacific region was doing more of the Rhinorissa than the Atlantic region was. Yeah, maybe a little bit. It's a le- less yeah, pronounced. It felt like more team specific, but it felt like more of the Atlantic North teams. Right. Like. Yeah. So and Dallas and, was doing it too. Yeah. Right. And so, um, just in general, we're sort of seeing these different teams favor these different switches um and i think that's really good and i think that uh, i think that's going to really create some uh unique forms of parity between regions that i am going to start calling regional parity until it disappears inevitably as all parity seems to do the longer the season goes on right <laughs> um but these regions aren't all sitting together in la just practicing with everybody all the time and I think that's going to force them to sort of learn different ways to adapt as they sort of practice with whoever their closest partner is or with mm. their academy teams, for those that have academy teams left, which is not many. Yeah. Um, that's gonna They're going to wind up in these, these little sections and these little meta bubbles where they go, oh, look, mm. this works really well to counter that. Um, and the Atlantic region might figure out this really cool counter that a Pacific region might not be able to figure out just because they didn't have that same innovator yep. in their region practicing with them. Yeah, and they'll just come to different conclusions on what's the strongest strat. Right, and I think that's really great. I think that's very great, actually. I think it mm. kind of... Um, I'm not sure how much so, but I think to a degree it is going to do some mitigating for the need for the hero pools that we're putting in. And it's not something yeah. I thought about beforehand when they announced Hero Pools. This wasn't something in my mind like, oh yeah, all the teams aren't together practicing anymore, so they're going to be do different things. Um, there's still going to be a core meta. There's still going to be a need for a Hero Pool, probably. But yeah. I think this is going to mitigate it a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be more exciting for the viewer. I think the effect on the actual game is going to be a little less outside maybe like the mid-season tournament. I don't think it'll affect playoffs very much, but I could see it sort of affecting the mid-season tournament. Yeah. But because the regional, these, these, your regional parody or these little bubbles, these regional bubbles that you have, mm-hmm. um, there's not much cross-pollination. No, right? there's um, not. So even if you might see a different totally different meta in the west than you do in the east um it's still like you aren't going to suddenly see the west play the east um and you're going to see these these metas clash against each other they're usually still going to stay in their in their regions so 
They're all going to have to play each other, though. I mean, the fact of the matter is, everybody. Once they start playing each other, they're like going to be in the same spot. So they'll start scrimming each other, and the meta will end up being the same because they're actually going to start playing each other. Yeah, as know? they start playing each other, the meta is definitely going to homogenize a little so, bit. So, like, you'll only see it like maybe the first week they start playing each other, and then it'll start to hum. And then you'll start yeah. to see maybe things become different, but. Um... I don't know, you'll I just, have new new teams having new bubbles because now it's going to be like okay, the Pacific West and the Atlantic South are having their own little bubble, while the Atlantic North or in China are having are now switching their meta because they're in Asia. Right, and I think that's going to be good though. I think that's ultimately going to continue to support sort of these little meta bubbles. They're going to change a lot, and they're going to change as they interact with one another. This. You know, the Atlantic North and the Pacific West bubbles mer mash together and create this different thing that they both come away with the same at the end when they come apart from each other. But then as they plug into the other people who had different kinds of bubbles, they're going to all develop a little differently. It's yeah. going to be really cool to see how the different regions, the different, um, not, co not yeah, no, divisions. We have divisions and conferences. Mm -hmm. How the different divisions sort of develop, different divisions develop differently. Let me use just a bunch of alliteration here. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's should, gonna be a lot of fun. We're we're gonna kind of miss out on a lot of it, unfortunately, um, just because of these Chinese cancellations. Yep. Like, um, right now, east the people on the west coast of the U.S. and the people on the east coast scrimming maybe isn't ideal, so you don't do it as much. But scrimming is still at least a possibility, Possible. right? Like, it's not that terrible. Where there's nobody scrimming the um, East Asian teams. Yep. Um, in North America, that's just a total disconnect there. So they really have their own meta going on up there. Um, although I, my understanding is they're kind of like the Pacific West and favor the the Reaper. Right. And as I said, it's the Korean teams that favor that, so it doesn't surprise me that the Korean teams are kind of following the East Asian style. Um, right. But we would have had a scenario where everybody who's in the Pacific West division. It was supposed to be in Asia until week eight. So we were going to have seven weeks of Asia. Atlantic cannot scrim Pacific right. at all. So we're still going to sort of see that. We're just not going to see it. So it's still going to happen. We're just not going to get to observe it on a week-by-week -week basis because of these cancellations. But yeah. like the LA Gladiators are already in Seoul. They're already in Seoul for the Seoul homestand the first week of March or the second week, whatever it ends up being, March 7th. Yes, um, first. So they're already going to be like practicing only with these East Asian teams. I'm not sure how many other teams are going to Seoul so soon, but um, if there are a lot of teams that are just going to be basically like boot camping in Seoul since they kind of have a break, um, there's definitely going to be this possibility where these really different metas do form and it could make that soul homestand very exciting if there are teams that stay in the united states and just scrim with other u.s teams and don't go until soul go to soul in the last minute they're gonna arrive in soul and they'll have been totally different of scrims going on between teams between teams that are totally different yeah what than yeah. what they've been experiencing in scrims so that homestand could be a very very exciting and diverse homestand. It's also the first homestand where hero pools are going to be introduced. So it's probably going to be not so bongo crazy. Yeah. 
I, like I said, I, I think it's going to be really great. I think it's going to create a, a unique kind of parody from region to region as the best people at their little meta bubbles clash with one another. I think it's going to be really cool and a lot of fun. And we're going to have a lot of things that I think we're going to have these predictions based on what we're seeing. And then when they finally butt heads, we're going to be like, nope, that was wrong. It's going to be mm. awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun for us as viewers. Yeah, um, it should be really exciting. Yeah. All right. So you have developed a an all-weekend team from the teams yep. that played this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do this because it's something that a lot of other sports do. They look at, like, the best players of the week and try to form, like, a uh, a team based off that or the best players of the month. Um, so I wanted to look at the best players in each position and try to put together, like, a, basically an all-star roster, right? Okay. Um, and I've already talked about a lot of the players that have actually made this list, so... Uh, McGravy, Nico, and FD God, um, I think were all the standout players in their positions. Um, but in the DPS role, along with Nico for your hit scan, I thought Striker was ridiculous. If you watch the um, that that Dallas Fuel San Francisco game, that we were at a map five situation. If it wasn't for Striker, Striker's clutches were absolutely absurd. Um, on Oasis, yeah, he still got it when, when he clutched city center. Crazy seeing him on Tracer again was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, and his McCree was just as disgusting. He almost clutched, um, gosh, what was that? Um, the, the map that, um, that Dallas Fuel ended up winning, he almost ended up clutching that one as well. I think it was the assault map, uh, Horizon. Um, he almost just like they almost two v six. He like I think he killed four people before he went down. <laughs> he was like only him and Alucio. Yeah. Um, the dude is absolutely cracked. Um, a ridiculous performance from him. Um, the main tank role I had a lot of trouble with because I mean, maybe I'm just hard on main tanks, but I was underwhelmed by a lot of them. Um, the only main tank who. There were two main tanks who probably impressed me over the weekend, but Fissure really got the better of Gig, who was the other main tank who mm. impressed me, so I had to go with Fissure. Okay. Um, his game, especially against the LA Valiant, he really just flexed on him. His Winston and his Reinhardt were both just top-notch. What you would expect from, from Fissure, right? He's great. He's really Huge good. Huge six-man earth shatters, catching the team off guard. His Winston just seemed nigh impossible to deal with. Um, they fissure did fissure things. That's a that's lot of it. People doubted him. It looked looked good. Um, and then finally in the support role with FD God, I had to give the nod to Architect. Um, we saw a lot of good um, Ana play this weekend, but the other good Ana play was from like Jonak and Twilight. Right? Architect comes in, basically never have playing Ana. Um, outside a couple times in the um, in the goats meta, right? So he, he, by all means, he was basically a rookie in this role. It was a complete role shift, and the dude just he did amazing, ridiculous gren grenades, ridiculous sleep darts. The guy was just came He's out a and was like, "Hey, I'm a top tier flex support," and we're like, "Oh, okay." I didn't know San Francisco had. Black, deep, um, depth at the flex support role, right? But okay, they have depth at the flex support role. That's that's just what we needed to hear. Other teams in the league, there's unexpected depth. Depth. 
Um, we we knew they had Rascal. I think some like if we saw Rascal come out, maybe we'd be less surprised. But Architect, okay. What what can't San Francisco Shock players do? I, I they seem to be able to do everything. They can do it all. So so that's that's my <laughs> all weekend tea. Um, and I think this is something I'll try to do every week. Um, okay. It should be easy to keep up as long as the Pacific East aren't playing. <laughs> once once there's like fourteen matches a weekend. Maybe this doesn't happen, but we'll see. For the next few weeks, I'll I'll definitely be looking to do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there is probably a time to talk about the new casting talent and the way that they are doing. Um. However, okay. I don't. Um. Well, let me just mention it real quick because I think Brendan Sideshow in particular did fantastic job casting. In my opinion, they look much more yeah. comfortable and much stronger as casters than they ever did as analysts on the desk. I like them a lot more casting than they do on the desk. Oh, yes. Fan- I agree with that. Fantastic. Um, Jaws, I think, had a pretty good opening weekend. I think him and Hex still have a little bit of their interactions to work out. Um, I could tell, I'd agree. especially on Saturday, they really tried to talk over one another. But um, I would say, yeah, they're awkward together but yeah. just listening to jaws do color casting right he was really really good or uh, the play-by-play casting sorry i think i messed mm-hmm. this up but he i i i really loved listening to him like break down a fight he, he did a really good job yep so i'm excited to see those two grow but like you said they were awkward together um yeah when they were doing things to get when they were actually play by playing there were a couple times when him and hex stepped on each other's toes a little bit there which mm-hmm. i haven't seen hex do in a long time and i think that just has to do with the fact that this is a new duo for him yeah they need to build synergy um but... i thought jake and zp did really excellent um they've yes. they've casted together before at the world cup i had no mm-hmm. reason to expect anything less and they Jake's thought they delivered been a little awkward um I felt like outside of the cast itself. So like when it's just him and ZP, like talking to the crowd and whatnot, like before right. they get into the matches, Jake seems nervous and right. like he's very short and ZP kind of has to, had to save the broadcast a lot. Um, the good thing is though, ZP's but, got but once, Yeah. But ZP, um, like you haven't seen him in the Overwatch League yet, but he's been like the professional standard of basically Overwatch League ca- or of Overwatch casting for as long as the game's been out yeah um so you got to see his experience and professionalism shine even though it was his first cast um in the overwatch league and then jake once once they were in game jake was fantastic he just needs to get a little more comfortable in his skin and um being in the limelight right yeah um and when the cameras are on him and once he kind of stops being awkward there um they'll they'll be a great duo for sure yeah um, the fact that they don't have, uh, people whose job is to be post-game interviewers is really a yeah. crying shame because these casters yeah. are not interviewers. They weren't. Some of them are good. Some of them some, are good. I like Sideshow. I like Hex, but, and Uber was okay. Everybody else. Uber did okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I like Hex the best, honestly. Yeah, but I think, I really didn't, like didn't Mr. X do one too? Yeah, every caster did. Yeah, I did not like Mr. X's. 
Um, yeah, sideshows felt sideshows felt like sideshow, not sideshow. Brent's felt like Bren, which is not ideal. Yes, I liked sideshow. I didn't like sideshow. Didn't love Bren. Um, Jake felt really uncomfortable. I just uncomfortable. super uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, I really feel like it's a crying shame that we don't have our interviewers back. Yeah. I also feel like it's pretty disappointing that we don't have uh, translators for yep. the broadcast team. Agreed. Bringing out the team translator was really uncomfortable. He does not, he's not that kind of on camera personality. He's just not. Right. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the analyst desk, I like Reinforce and Custa as individuals. I am not yet sold on their interactions as a pair on the analyst desk. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to take a minute, I think, before they sort of get over where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind well, of I think need... they're both trying to bring, like, the fun energy that Brendan Sideshow brought, and they just need to figure out, like, how to balance it. The, yeah. Um, Zoe o- needs to realize, need to figure out, like, when to step in, when to let it go, those sorts of things. Like, Puckett was really good at controlling those boys. Mm-hmm. Um... Zoe just needs to get used to it, too, and realize, when do I step in? When do I let them kind of do their thing? So I think it'll get better with time. But overall, I think I like it. I'm hoping that it gets better with time, because I think if it stays this way, I'm going to be upset the longer that it goes on. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I didn't like last year's analyst desks, too. So yeah. Fun. Well. <laughs> it always I, seems like it's more fun than analysis, where I want the analysis, but I know I'm there apparently not in the majority here right so i i'm not real sure where this is going to wind up going but i would like to Mm. see some some more and i would like to see it grow but all in all i think it was pretty good pretty good you know i miss like the studio yeah yeah um it's a nice studio it feels good so but there's 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 room to grow in all of this newness um, but this is room to grow that I can forgive, right? It's not the same thing as the broadcast people whose job is to know when to right. switch things. Mm-hmm. That is not that is not as easy for me to forgive them. Um, so yeah. So anyways, we're gonna move on, do a real quick overview of the ne- next week, which only includes four teams. So it's just super easy. Um, yeah. Because I'm gonna hit three of them right now, talking about the games the Mayhem are gonna play, and then we're mm-hmm. just gonna pretend the fourth team doesn't exist because we're Tampa boys. <laughs> I mean, we can still mention them. I yeah, mean, it's a, there's four games this weekend. This is literally the least Overwatch in a week of Overwatch League that has ever, ever happened. It's just gonna be so like weird. Semifinals. <laughs> yeah, but if you look <laughs> on the MLG play. website, the schedule still has the Chinese teams on it. Mm, well, who looks at the MLG website? <laughs> People do. I did. I just like Apparently. to check and see what's going on. Okay. Um, well, you know, when they, they've announced these cancellations, MLG is run by Blizzard, and I would expect yeah. them to get them on there, and they're not. I guess so. They're not. You guys canceled it. Your company who owns you canceled these games, and you still have them on there as this game I is going to happen at this time. the Overwatch League website. Look at that Overwatch League website looks okay, but the app is not working. My app isn't working anyways. Anyways, so next week, Mayhem, they're going to play the Outlaws and the Philadelphia Fusion. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a big test for us right off the bat. Yep. Um, I think. So I'm glad that it goes in the order of Outlaws Philly. So Outlaws should be the weaker team. 
Um, I'm should expecting be. Outlaws to be, yeah, should be. I mean, obviously you don't know how things are going to turn out, but Outlaws should probably be a middle to lower mid-tier team. Um, so losing to the Outlaws is probably going to be, okay, this is probably just going to be maybe an okay season for the Mayhem. If they get blown out by the Outlaws, I mean, maybe it's too early to start panicking, but I would be concerned. Right. <laughs> um, at the very least, we want this game to be close or a blowout. Um, if it is a blowout, that'll bode really well for our second game against the Philadelphia Fusion, who should be anywhere from an upper, upper mid-table to a top-tier team in the Overwatch League. Yep. Um, if we're able to come out of this weekend 2-0, and I think we're not only on track for playoffs, I think we're on track for the midseason tournament, which is only four teams qualifying for it. Um, especially after watching New York play, I think if we could go 2-0 in this weekend, like we're in the conversation for possibly being Atlantic champs. It's just going to be how good is Atlanta. Um, there's not that many teams, I think, to be afraid of in the Atlantic division. Right. Like we have Boston, we have London. Paris looks good, but I'm not sure how they're going to hold up against the best of the best, right? Mm -hmm. um, so as long as we we can, be, if we could come out of this week too well, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be an exciting year for the Florida Mayhem. So I think these are both going to be great games, um, no matter what. This should be a very exciting weekend. This last weekend was exciting, but I think this weekend the the parity should be even closer than what we saw. We didn't expect this past weekend to be exciting, and it turned out no. to be exciting. This is the weekend and, and that we expect to be more exciting. So here's hoping it also delivers. We did start to see a lot of three Overwatch, right? Yeah. We started to get a little bit more of what we expected. I'm not expecting three Overwatch this weekend. Um, maybe with the Justice, if the rumors of how bad the Justice are are true, maybe their games against the um, the Outlaws and the Fusion right. won't be as close. But the Florida Outlaws, the, all the Florida games should be fantastic. So as a Florida fan, we're going to be in for hopefully a treat. Hopefully. And not our normal disappointment. <laughs> Wait, there's only, the only way we can go is up here, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> it, should, it should be fun. Should be. Forward to it. I'll be at the um, the Tampa watch party. So I will there. not be. Say hi. Valerimore won't be, but I'll be there. All righty. Well, that's Pop that. Call. We got it. We knocked it out. Second yep. episode of the season done. Remember, really, first one of since it's actually started. First normal episode. Uh, okay, fine. Whatever. So we're, we're here. <laughs> we're here. We, we've begun. Twenty-seven weeks to go. That's it. And it don't it don't stop. We ain't have no breaks. That's true. Oh man, that's gonna be rough this year. It's go 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 for real. Well, that's it. That's all the time we have today. Um, by a long shot. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> Big thank you to Popped Off. For all of their support and their help, and they are the reason we're on all the podcasting platforms we're on and everything like that. So big, big blessing they have been to us. Remember, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Please make sure to follow us on socials. We share all of the new episodes. Um, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Super helpful. For those of you who actually tune into the end, because I look at our stats and like one out of every bazillion people that watches our things watch them to the end so thank you to those of you who tune into the end 
And also for those of you who tune in to the end, we still have these lovely mugs. They exist on our Zazzle store. If you buy them, we get like 35 cents. And if we get enough 35 cents, we'll make hats instead. And it will be lots of fun. All right? So thanks for all that. I'm Alurimore. I'm Alex. And you have been tuned into Cowfans. We'll see you next week. <laughs>